Hebrews. Uh, today is Sermon 31, and we finished Chapter 7 last week. Uh, but today, before we move on to Chapter 8, we're just going to take a quick break. Uh, not a break, kind of like a review. We're going to read one verse from the book of Psalms, and then we're going to see how the author of Hebrews have been using that one verse throughout chapter 5 and 7, uh, throughout chapter 5, 6, and 7. So we're going to read Psalm 110, verse 4, and here is what the author of Hebrews, uh, here is what the psalmist said, David said. The Lord has sworn and shall not relent, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Can we read that verse together? I want you to memorize this verse because that summarizes almost three chapters in the book of Hebrews. So let's uh, try to get it in our hearts and our brains. Let's say it together. The Lord has sworn and shall not relent. You are a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. If you ever want to see why Jesus is a great high priest, summarize pretty much the last uh, seven to ten weeks that we have been talking um, about this, all what you have to do is just recite that verse and every single reason why Jesus is a superior high priest that the author of Hebrews has mentioned is actually in that verse. Amen? So let's try to uh, dig deeper into it. If you have been paying attention, today should be um, uh, easy for you. And if you haven't paid attention, today will be a good review for you so you can uh, start paying attention. Now, we have seen before that the author of Hebrews, throughout that first seven chapters, what the author of Hebrews seemed to be doing throughout is that he picks up scriptures from the Old Testament and he kind of preached his own sermon on these verses. Uh, we've seen in chapter 2, uh, when he was arguing how Jesus is superior than angels, he quoted seven scriptures from the Old Testament. And then the rest of chapter 2, from verse 8 to ver chapter 1 and 2, he quoted seven verses from the Old Testament. Chapter 2, verse 8 to verse 18, if you remember what he did, he quoted Psalm 8, verse 4 to 6, right? And then he preached his sermon on that for the rest of the verse. If you guys remember, we went through this. Psalm 8 says, uh, David was talking to God and saying, God, when I look at the, the heavens that you have made, the work of your finger, what is man that you would visit him? And the son of man that you would think of him, you have made him a little bit lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, and you have set him to be, and you have submitted all the works of your hand under his feet. You guys remember that part? Yeah. And remember how the author of Hebrews talked about that. He preached his own sermon for like 10 verses, and he applied these verses to Christ, and he said that Jesus is the one that David was talking about, who was put temporarily lower than the angels when he became human, but as a result of that, five eternal purposes was accomplished. You guys remember that part? If not, go back and go over it. And then if you move to chapter 3 and 4, you're going to see the same pattern. He quoted Psalm 95, verse 7 to 11. He quoted that in chapter 3, verse 5, um, verse 7 to verse 11. And pretty much the rest of chapter 3 and whole chapter 4, he was just preaching his own sermon on these three or four verses from Psalm 95. That portion say, you know, God is talking to the children of Israel and he say, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart like the days of Massa and Meribah when I took you out of the land of Egypt and you rebuilt against me, so I sworn in my wrath that you will not enter my promise, right? And the author of Hebrews 
used these verses throughout chapter 3 and 4 to argue that if Jesus is superior than Moses, which he was talking about, then Jesus' followers should be superior and act better than Moses' followers. You guys are with me? Remember all of that? We said that Moses' followers, when they came to the land of the promise, they rebuilt and they did not want to enter into the promised land. And the author of Hebrews using these verses to preach his own sermon and say, you and me should be better. We should have total trust and total obedience to Christ, unlike those who followed Moses. Amen? Amen. And then we come to chapter 5, 6, and 7. Three chapters. In these three chapters, with the exception of most of chapter 6 and the last portion of chapter 5, the author of Hebrews seems to be preaching his sermon from Psalm 110, verse 4. As a matter of fact, he directly quoted this one verse three times, and he referenced it eight times. So 11 times, directly or indirectly, the author of Hebrews is referencing Psalm 110, verse 4, between chapter 5, 6, and 7. Amen? So that tells you that this verse is extremely important. And if you look through that verse with me right now, we'll see that this pretty much, what the author of Hebrews did in these three chapters, is pretty much he preached his own sermon on that verse. And throughout these three chapters that the author of Hebrews preached from Psalm 110 verse 4, the author of Hebrews highlighted five reasons why Jesus is a superior high priest. Again, this will be a review for you if you remember all of that. The author of Hebrews pretty much took every single phrase in Psalm 110 verse 4 and every single part of that verse he said, this is a reason why Jesus is a superior high priest than the Old Testament high priest. Amen? Let's look into that verse. Let's divide it as much as we can. The first part is uh, the Lord, right? That's the subject. And then the second part is the verb. Has sworn and shall not relent, right? That's part two. Part three, you are a priest forever. And part four, according to the order of uh, Melchizedek. Four parts in that verse. And that's pretty much the four or five reasons that we're going to see why Jesus is a superior high priest. What is the subject? What is the very first word? The Lord. And that is the very first reason why Jesus is a superior high priest. Because he was appointed by the Lord himself. Amen. God appointed, God the Father appointed Christ to be our high priest. That's why Jesus is a superior high priest. Number two, the verb has sworn and shall not relent. That is the reason number two why Jesus is a superior high priest. Because Jesus was appointed by Anna. Oath, right? Unlike the Old Testament high priest where nobody was appointed by an oath. And then the third phrase of that verse is this. You are a priest forever. And that's the third reason why Jesus is a superior high priest. Because Jesus was a high priest forever. Unlike the high priest of the Old Testament. And then it says according to the order of Melchizedek. And there's two reasons here the author of Hebrews tells us why Jesus is superior. Number one, because Melchizedek is greater than Aaron, than Levi of the Old Testament. So Jesus was appointed on a greater order, but not only that, but Jesus was also appointed on an effective order because the Old Testament system, that priesthood of the Old Testament was not working. That's why we needed a new order that actually does work. 
So Jesus is superior because he was appointed in an effective order. Five reasons. You guys are with me? Every single word in that verse, the author of Hebrews talked about and highlighted and preached on it. Isn't that just powerful? Just amazing. And the depth of, I mean, you probably like would read Psalm 110 verse 4, Psalm 110, the whole thing, like many, many times you won't even think about all of that. But when the Holy Spirit gets hold of the author of Hebrews, he just digs into it and gets so much goodness out of it. Amen? So let's uh, dig deeper again. We're going to look over all of that again to make sure that we're, we have been understanding the, the last few weeks together. Number one, Jesus was appointed by the Lord. That's why he's a superior high priest. The author of Hebrews took that part and pretty much wrote chapter 5, verse 1 to 10 on that. That's, these 10 verses talks about just that, how Jesus was appointed by God himself. We read in verse chapter 5, verse 4 to verse 10 this, And no man takes this honor, the honor of being high priest, to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was, right? The Old Testament high priest. They took that job, that ministry. We talked about this. They didn't submit applications, and they interviewed them and found the best applicant, right? God called Aaron in the Old Testament and his descendants to be high priest. And then verse 5, this. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, what? You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And... Let's find that page. And he also says in another place, another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. If you guys remember, we said before that this portion, the first part, that's a quote from Psalm 2. You are my son, today I have begotten you. And then that verse 6 right here, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek is a quote from Psalm 110, right? And we say that the author of Hebrews linked these two together because we've seen in chapter 2 that this quote from Psalm 2 was applied to Christ on the day of his resurrection and inauguration as high priest on the right hand of God, right? You guys remember all of that? And then the, the author of Hebrews links Psalm 2 with Psalm 110 to say that during the time when Jesus was exalted to be at the right hand of majesty, two things happened to Jesus in the same time. Number one, he was appointed the functional son of God who will accomplish our salvation. But number two, he was appointed by God himself to be our high priest. Amen? And verse 9 of chapter, or Hebrews chapter 9 says this, And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. Verse 10, called by who? God as high priest. Where was Jesus called by God as high priest? Psalm 110 verse 4. The Lord has sworn and shall not relent. You are a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. You guys are with me? So the whole point of chapter 5 verse 1 to 10 is that the author of Hebrews is really taking that first two words, the subject of the verb of Psalm 110 verse 4, and he's elaborating and expounding on that. He's saying that Jesus was not appointed by law, by certain physical requirements like the Old Testament high priest, but God the Father himself has appointed Christ to be our high priest, and that's why he's superior. Because he was not appointed by himself. He didn't seek that job. God himself has appointed him to be our high priest. Amen? 
So Jesus is superior because he was appointed by God. But number two, Jesus is a superior high priest because he was appointed by an oath. It says this in Psalm 110 verse 4, The Lord has sworn, and then the words after that is, Shall not relent. These words shall not relent to emphasize the word sworn. There's no going back here. God is 100% sure that Jesus will be a high priest forever on the order of Melchizedek. There's no going back. God is confirming that by swearing that this will come to pass. Amen? And that word oath or Jesus was appointed by an oath was referenced many times throughout chapter 6 and 7. We see it referenced in chapter 6 verse 13 to 20, in chapter 7 verse 20 to 22, and then finally in chapter 7 verse 28. So at least three different spots in that chapter 6 and 7 where the author of Hebrews keep going back to the word oath and remind us that Jesus as our high priest was appointed by an oath. Amen? In chapter 6, verse 13 to 20, the author of Hebrews is telling us why Jesus was appointed by an oath. The reason that God swore that Jesus would be a high priest forever. We see that in chapter 6, verse, um, again, 13 to 20, but particularly we're going to look into 16, 17, uh, and, uh, and 18. It says this in verse 16. For men, here is why God has sworn. For men, you and me, Indeed, swear by greater. And an oath for, what is the purpose of the oath? For confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. So the author of Hebrews say, even you and me, when we swear that the idea of making an oath in the Old Testament is that when you make an oath with your friend that you're going to do something, you make a deal and you swear on it, that means no matter what happened, this is a confirmation and that brings an end to all dispute. There is no, no more arguments left after the oath. That's the Old Testament culture and how they understood an oath. You guys are with me? Then God, does God, because this is the way people think, does God, look at this, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise, the immutability of his counsel, he confirmed it by an oath. Let me read that verse again. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to Jesus, to who? To Jesus or to the heirs? To the heirs. But let me ask you a question. Was the oath, the oath to us or was the oath to Jesus? The, the oath was to Jesus, right? That the Lord has sworn and shall not relent. You, Jesus, are a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, right? When God swore the oath, he swore to Christ that he will be a high priest forever on the order of Melchizedek. Yet the purpose of the oath was not so Jesus can have job security. You guys are with me? The reason for that oath is that you and me be more secure that our high priest have been appointed by an oath. You guys are with me? You guys are with me? The oath was not given to you and me. The oath was given to Christ. Yet the purpose of the oath is not to serve Christ. It's to serve you and me. That we, the heirs of the promise, will, will have will be so sure that the immutability of God's counsel, God will never change his mind anymore. Our high priest will always be a high priest because God did not just promise that, he also swore on that. Amen? Um, 
confirmed by an oath that by two immutable things, that's the promise of God and the oath of God, in which it's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God to lie in his promise, but that was not enough just to confirm to you and me the immutability of his counsel. He confirmed it by another thing that's impossible for him to lie in it, which is uh, the oath. So we have the promise and we have the oath that it is by two immutable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. We, not Jesus, again, not Jesus, but we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. Amen? So that is the reason of the, the oath. God has sworn the oath to Christ so you and me can sleep good at night knowing that our high priest was appointed by an oath. Amen? But number two, in chapter seven, the author of Hebrews goes on to tell us the effect of that oath. So in chapter six, he's talking about the reason of the oath. In chapter seven, he highlights the results of that oath. Twice he mentioned that in verse 20, and then in verse uh, 20 to 22, and then in verse 28. In verse 20 to 22, there is the results of that oath is that Jesus has become an assurity of a better covenant, amen? It says this, and in as much as he was not made priest without an oath, by so much more, Jesus have become an assurity of a better covenant. We talked about this, and we repeated it multiple times, but it's just so good, it's never going to hurt to repeat it again. The word assurity is a legal guarantor. Jesus is not just the mediator of the new covenant, but because of the greatness of that oath, Jesus is also the guarantor that the terms of the new covenant will surely come to pass, no matter what. Amen? And the reason number two, now that Jesus is appointed by an oath, he was appointed forever as a son who has always been perfected. That's verse 28 of chapter 7. For the law appoint high priest men who have weakness. The law that God has given to Moses appoint people with weakness to be high priest. By the word of the oath, the promise of Psalm 110 verse 10, Verse 4, which came after the law, because David came way after Moses, appoints who? A son who has been perfected forever. Amen? The word of the oath has appointed Jesus, who is a perfect and complete Savior, to be our Savior for all eternity. Amen? So, again, if you ever forget what is the point of Hebrews 5 to 7? All what you have to do is just remember that one verse. Psalm 110 verse 4. The Lord has, not swore, has sworn and shall not relent. You are a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is a great high priest because he was appointed by the Lord. Jesus is a superior high priest because he was appointed by an oath. Jesus was a superior high priest because he was appointed forever. Amen. Again, five times. Throughout chapter 5, 6, and 7, we see that the author of Hebrews bring the word forever over and over and over again from Psalm 110 verse 4. You guys are with me? Okay, so number one, he's telling us that because of the pre, uh, preeminence, because Jesus is eternal, this is the reason for our hope. We read that in Hebrews 6, 19 to 20. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where our forerunner, the forerunner Jesus, has entered for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest for how long? Forever. 
forever according to the order of Melchizedek. That gives you and me hope that our forerunner, Jesus, already entered behind the veil and he's not going anywhere because he's going to be there for how long? Forever. Jesus did not enter for a couple of years or a couple of days or a couple of hours or a couple of decades. Jesus entered there forever. And because Jesus remains there forever, you and me have a secure hope that it doesn't matter how long you live, you always can come into the presence of God because Jesus has already entered for us. Amen? amen. You cannot live outlive forever. Can I have an amen to that? Yeah. Amen. Number two, <coughs> the author of Hebrews also brought the word uh, forever, when he uh, talked about how Melchizedek was a type of Christ. And he mentioned that in Hebrews 7.3, that Melchizedek was without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God remains a priest continually or forever. We talked about this. What we said is this, Melchizedek as, as, as a priest who appeared to Abraham in Genesis chapter 14 is actually, does actually have a father and actually has a mother and actually there is a genealogy for him. He's not eternal. But the scripture, the way the Holy Spirit inspired Moses to write about him in the book of Genesis is that he came out of nowhere and he ended in nowhere. You guys are with me? It, the scripture is silent about his genealogy, about his father, and about his mother. And the scripture doesn't tell us how he died eventually. It only, he burst into the scene of the scripture from nowhere, and he just vanished to nowhere. Because the scripture wanted to portray him as a type of Jesus, who will be a continual high priest, who will never stop being our high priest. Amen? So what Melchizedek was symbolically, Jesus was literally as our eternal high priest. You guys are with me? So that was typified through Melchizedek. And then we see that because of the eternal presence of Christ as our high priest in heaven, this is the reason why his priesthood is far much greater than the Old Testament priesthood. In chapter 7, verse 15 to 16, he says this, And it is yet for more evident if, in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who has come not according to the law of fleshly commandments, like the Old Testament high priests, but according to what? To the power of his indestructible life, his life that can never be destroyed. Amen? Because he lives forever. Nothing can destroy his life if he lives forever. Amen? Mm -hmm. Hebrews 7, 28. For the law, again, for the law appoints as high priest men who has weakness. But the word of the oath which has come after the law appoints a son who has been perfected for how long? Ever. Forever. And then we see that because of the eternal presence of God, as our, of Christ as our high priest, that is the reason why he can provide perfect and complete salvation for you and me. Hebrews 7, 25 and 23 to 25. And there was many priests in the Old Testament because they were prevented by death from continuing. They wanted to continue. Aaron would liked that he would live for years and years and years to be high priest for his people. The problem is, 80 or 90 or 100 years down the road, guess what? He was prevented by death from continuing to be a high priest in the Old Testament. Amen? Amen. Jesus is not like that. But he, because he lives for how long? 
forever because he continues forever. He has unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, because Jesus lives forever, because he's a high priest forever, look at this. Therefore, he is able to save to the utmost. Amen? Amen. Nobody can say that. Nobody can do that except, except somebody who lives forever. And that's our Jesus. Because he lives forever. He can save to the utmost those who come to God through him. Since he lives forever to make intercessions for them. Amen? Amen. We have a great high priest. Why? Number one, because he was appointed by the Lord. Number two, because he was appointed by an oath. And number three, because he lives forever. Number four and five. We have a great high priest because Jesus has come a high priest, not in the order of Aaron or Levi of the Old Testament, but he came a high priest on the order of who? Melchizedek. And that is a greater order than that of Aaron. The author of Hebrews expounded on that part in chapter 7, verse 1 to 10. Let's just read a couple of verses there. Verse 4. Now consider how great this man was, how great Melchizedek was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tithe of his spoil. Right? Remember that from, from Genesis 14? And indeed, those who are sons of Levi, who receive the priesthood, have commandment to receive tithe from the people according to the law that is from their brethren, though they have come uh, from the loins of Abraham, but he who has no genealogy is not, whose genealogy is not driven from them, received tithe from Abraham and blessed him who has the promises. You guys are with me? Yeah. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is being blessed by the better. Here, mortal men receive tithe, but there he received, Melchizedek received them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives, Melchizedek. Even Levi who received tithe by tithe, look at this, even Levi who receives tithe by tithe through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father, um, Abraham when Melchizedek met him. You guys are with me. He's saying here is this. The Old Testament priesthood, that of Levi, Levi and his children will receive tithe from their brethren, the rest of the tribes of Israel, right? Yeah. But when Abraham gave tithe, the concept is the one who receives the tithe is always greater than the one who gives the tithe. You guys are with me? So Levi in that essence is greater than the rest of their brethren, the rest of the tribes, because they're set apart to serve God, right? So in that sense, because Levi received the tithe from their brethren, he is greater. But he's saying that even Levi, so to speak, gave tithe himself to Melchizedek, because Levi, Aaron, the son of Jacob, the son of uh, Isaac, the son of Abraham, was still in the loin of Abraham when he met Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14, and Abraham gave tithe to Melchizedek. So that's why Melchizedek is far much greater than Levi, because always the lesser gives tithe to the greater. Amen. And the, there is another side of that as well. Always the greater blesses the lesser. And we read in the Old Testament that Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Abraham did not bless Melchizedek. Melchizedek blessed Abraham, right? And the greater always blesses the lesser. 
<coughs> so when Melchizedek blessed Abraham, Melchizedek made himself in a way greater than Abraham. And remember this, that Levi was still in the loin of Abraham when Melchizedek blessed him. In an essence, Melchizedek blessed Aaron and the greater blessed the lesser. Are you confused yet? <laughs> and the greater blessed the lesser. That's why Melchizedek is greater than Aaron. Amen? Now, Jesus came as a high priest, not in the order of Aaron, but in the order of uh, the greater one, not the lesser one. So Jesus is a greater high priest because he came on a greater order. But number five, and finally, Jesus is a greater high priest because he came in an order that actually works. The Old Testament order did not work. It did not bring people to God. But the new priesthood that Christ has come as a high priest in that order actually does work. And that is the point pretty much of chapter 7, verse 11 to verse 19. Let me just uh, read through this real quick. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, the Old Testament priesthood, for under it people received the law, that what further need was there that another priest should arise, not a, a, according to the order of Melchizedek, and not to according of not not according to the order of Aaron. Do you get the point that he's trying to tell us here? If the priests who come in the Old Testament on the order of Aaron were able to bring people to God, what is the point that decades later, hundreds of years later, David will come after that priesthood, the Aaron priesthood was established on the hand of Moses. And if that worked, the author of Hebrews say, what would have been the point that hundreds of years later, David will come and say there will be a new high priest who will be a high priest not on the order of Aaron, but in a new order, the order of Melchizedek. The reason why the Holy Spirit led David to say that in Psalm 110 verse 4 is that the Levitical, Levitical priesthood that was established by the law on the hand of Moses hundreds and hundreds of years ago was not working. That's why God promised on the mouth of David that there will be a new order that actually will work, right? Verse 12, for the priesthood being changed different order now, from the priesthood of Aaron to the priesthood of Melchizedek, of necessity there will be a change of the law, right? The Old Testament brought us the law, but Jesus, when he came with his new priesthood, he brought us the grace of God. The way of approaching God is now totally different. It is not the same way that Aaron was trying to bring to us because that didn't work, right? We failed to do our part to come close to God. And because we failed, God brought a new priesthood with a new system of approaching him. And that is through Christ and through the grace of God, not through Moses and the law of God. Amen? Verse 13. For he of whom uh, things are spoken belongs to another tribe. What is he talking about here? For he, that's Jesus, of whom these things, that's Psalm 110 verse 4, that the promise of David, for he of whom these things are spoken, the prophecy of Psalm 110, belongs to another tribe. Jesus came not from the tribe of Levi, but from the tribe of Judah, from which no one has officiated, was officiated at the altar. Verse 14. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, not Levi. Judah, different order. An order that actually works. Of which... Uh, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. And it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priesthood. 
and it is yet far more evident, well, uh, arises in the priesthood, verse 16, who has come not according to the law of fleshly commandment, but according to the power of his indestructible life, for he testifies, David testifies, or the Holy Spirit testifies through David, you are a high priest forever, and then he highlights that last part, according to the order of Melchizedek. You guys are with me? For on one hand, for on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, on the other hand, there is the bringing of a better hope through which we can draw close to God. Amen. The Old Testament system didn't work. That's why God prophesied, the Holy Spirit prophesied through David in Psalm 110 verse 4 that he will bring a new system that actually will work and that will bring people closer to God. That actually will be effective to bring people close to God. Amen? So why is Jesus a superior high priest than the high priest of the Old Testament? Flip your notes. I don't want you to look anymore. We have done enough for six, seven, eight, ten weeks. Let's quote that psalm together because that is really the key. If you don't remember anything, remember that psalm because that has all your cues right there. Amen? Psalm 110 verse 4. Can you say it to me? The Lord has sworn and shall not relent. You are a high priest forever on the order of Melchizedek. So why is Jesus a superior high priest? The first word, the Lord. So why is Jesus superior? He was appointed by the Lord. The, the, the second phrase, has sworn and shall not relent. Why is Jesus superior? Because he was appointed by an oath. You are a high priest forever. Why is Jesus superior? Because he continues forever. He lives forever. And what is the last part? According to the order of Melchizedek, why is Jesus superior? Two parts in this one, right? What is it? Number one. He came on a greater order. Melchizedek was greater than Aaron and then Levi. And number two, effective. effective because the order of Aaron did not work. And we have to have a new order by which we come close to God. Amen? All right. Next week, we're going to have a, a written exam. I'm kidding. <laughs> Let's close our eyes and pray. Yes, right. <laughs> Let's close our eyes and pray. We have...